Hello and welcome to In the Vein, a podcast by students at the University of Colorado Medical School. We tell stories, talk about things that matter, and build community. For today's episode, I have a couple of guests. For our first guest, we have Dr. Cleveland Piggott. Go ahead and introduce yourself. Hi, I'm Dr. Cleveland Piggott. I am a faculty member at the University of Colorado and a proud family doctor. Thanks for having us. Thanks for being on the show. Uh, and he is also the newly appointed uh, faculty advisor for Uncompagre, uh, if anyone out there is in that college. Uh, and so today we're actually just going to be talking about some fun and interesting clinical stories, patient experiences, uh, all the while making sure we don't reveal too much patient information. Uh, so we're going to try and not ex- expose any location or time frame for you know when these stories take place uh but we'll just talk about some of our most meaningful patient experiences so um dr piggott i think the first question i have for you uh is what is one of the you know more meaningful patient experiences that you've had uh, in recent times i think as a family doctor some of my most meaningful patient experiences have been with my ob patients And so even though I don't practice OB right now, when you've had nine months of doing prenatal care, getting to know a person and their partner, and then get to deliver their baby and then care for their baby in your clinic, there's nothing like that. And those are some of my greatest bonds. I don't do OB anymore because it stresses me out. But every time I see those kids (laughs) in clinic, there's a part of me that goes, Maybe I can go do OB again, but then I wouldn't be able to do all the other fun things I do with students and uncompadre and et cetera. So uh, I think those are a couple of my most meaningful, that's some of my most meaningful experiences. Oh, that's nice. Yeah, sometimes you have to pick and choose, but I guess it's worth it in the end uh, if you can see the kids grow up. Uh, Another question I've got, uh, we're going to go a little bit back in time, actually. What are some of your favorite moments uh, that you had during medical school, and you can talk about residency as well, that were in the clinic and in the hospital, uh, but also things that were not related to school, just the things that you enjoyed to do uh, outside the clinical space while you were uh, studying? So outside of the clinical space, I think one of the best things about medical school is just meeting a ton of amazing fellow classmates from all across the country that were all passionate about helping people heal no matter what specialty they went into. And so going through that intense time with that, those group of friends are just so meaningful. And I can remember our times in anatomy lab as we're trying to figure out where that tending goes to, to <laughs> the times when it should have been studying, but instead I'm putting on photoshopped pictures of my classmates on pictures of scrubs from the TV show back in the day to just recently where I helped officiate some of my medical school classmates' uh, wedding. It's just a lot of special time with a special group of people. Clinically, I can still remember a lot of the amazing patient encounters and the teachers I've had that have been there when I've struggled, that have celebrated my successes. 
I have no desire to do surgery, which is why I'm doing family <laughs> medicine. But one of the coolest things I ever did was help remove a brain tumor from a patient during neurosurgery. Like those wow. are special and cool moments. And connecting with patients when they tell you things that they don't even tell the attending to know that even as a student, I have an impact on a patient. That's really special and uh, keeps you going when you feel like, why am I doing this? Do I even matter? Uh, you do matter. Uh, you definitely matter to those patients and it's a long journey, but it's worth it. Wow. So that brain tumor removal that didn't uh, have any swaying, you know, uh, indication on you? No, not even a little bit. <laughs> I think for some people, they get that rush from the OR and they want to keep doing that while others... For them, doing that all day, every day, they, the rush sort of weight wears off. And for me, the rush wore off. And I didn't want to be standing on my feet that long. And I loved dealing with my patients when they're awake more than when they were asleep. That makes a lot of sense. I can see why you'd like that. <laughs> Another question I have for you, uh, it kind of ties back to the first one. Instead of most meaningful patient experiences, which you know we love to see, uh, our patients long-term over time, what are some of the more fun or even funny moments that you've had uh, shared with your patients? I remember during my second year of medical school, I was doing a rural family medicine rotation mm -hmm. and I just seen the patient and came back in with my preceptor. And this was this nice lady from Italy and she started blushing and was like, are you all going to see my Farfalina now? And we're like, oh, what's Farfalina? <laughs> and then you realize that she was talking about a vaginal area. And I've never seen my preceptor, like he would beat red and just got so embarrassed. And we all just sort of laughed as that had nothing to do with what we were going to do at that moment. But it was just those funny human moments that you have with patients. I still remember that story and I do not, do not use that term for Felina. Yeah. When, I, when describing the body area. I've never heard that before. I don't think I'm going to start using it, but uh, I'm glad I've heard it in case it happens to me in the future. <laughs> yep, yep, yep. Let's see. Uh, this one is actually one that kind of, uh, I really like because it, it helps, I think medical students, make them, uh, let me rephrase this. I like this question because I really like how it can make a medical student feel like they're becoming better and they're becoming more like a physician. Uh, but it's what is a diagnosis or a catch that you've made that you're really proud of so far? Maybe something I know we're taught to look for the horses and not the zebras, but what's that zebra that you found that you thought, I can't believe I got that? I think it's nice in family medicine that I see a lot of those zebras in different sort of parts. It's like, oh, I actually did see horners in the patient and other things like that. There was a horse that I caught during fourth year medical school that I still being really proud of. I was on my away family medicine rotation. The patient was talking about those vision issues and I did my exam and I was like, I think she has a stroke. Oh. And I didn't have time to talk to the senior resident at the time. It was like a third year resident coming in during the presentation. They'd seen the patient. 
and I came in and said, I think this person's having a stroke. And I just saw the third year resident being like, what? Uh, and they all did an exam, got a CT scan and patient had a stroke and I caught a stroke that they, they missed. And so it was just cool to be like, yes, got it. They then teased me later because I then like did a neuro exam on that patient like every single day. And they're like, Cleveland is fine. She's stable. But I still caught this. That's amazing. I know I had uh, this was this was last year. So as an M1, I thought, you know, I, there's not much I'm going to be able to do. But it was a patient that came in that thought maybe it was an atypical presentation of a UTI. Uh, this one was just a little bit stummered and wouldn't go away. Uh, but then I, I had luckily gone on an elective with urology uh, and just, you know, things weren't lining up for it to be a UTI. And I thought, let's get an x-ray and see if you've got any kidney stones. And lo and behold, uh, it was kidney stones. And I thought, wow, my first kind of correct diagnosis as a medical student. Uh, and I'm only a first year. So I think it's little things like that keep us going. But a stroke, that's a that's a good one. That's amazing. Yeah, and I've had a few sort of recently as an attending, and always when he's like, oh, yeah, I still remember that thing from medical school, like this patient had really weird joint issues, and I'm like, I think he had parvovirus B19. Dr. Ford is like, you had parvovirus B19. Great. Uh, and then had another patient who was having all these weird rheumatological stuff, and I was like, I think he had polymyalgia rheumatica, and she had polymyalgia rheumatica, and so it was just sort of nice to see all those things that you're learning all make a difference and still be a great diagnostician uh, no matter where you are and what's yeah. That's awesome. Um, and I think we're almost at the point where we can introduce our second guest. Uh, but I think uh, we'll just go ahead and, and maybe fill in some time with another question. Uh, is there anything that you want to talk about now that you have the stand and you know a, a handful of CU students are going to take a listen to this. What do you want to talk about? I know it's a really open-ended question. We're taught to do that. I know. I, helped <laughs> teach I think one thing it'd be interesting, of course, see is like, how do we make connections in medical school in this virtual format? Mm -hmm. I think it's harder right now for the first years and many of the second years. Third years and fourth years are kind of doing their thing and they have their community, but... I think that's a big challenge that we're all trying to deal with right now and making people feel welcomed and that big sense of community that I sort of let off with, with that, those, that bonding I did with those classmates from day one. Yeah. And that was even the reason for the birth of the podcast was, Hey, as soon as second years take step and kind of go off into the clinical space, they don't really get much interaction with each other as third years. And then, you know, lo one month later, uh, COVID hits and now everyone's disconnected. So uh, it's really hard to, to keep everyone kind of together when we physically aren't able to do that. Now we're going to introduce our second guest, uh, Kiyomi Daoud. She is a medical student here at CU. Uh, go ahead and tell us a little bit about yourself. Sure. Um, well, I am Kiyomi Daoud. I am, I'm not a third year anymore, but I'm not quite a fourth year yet. Um, I am doing an extra bonus year of medical school between my third and fourth year um, in a little program called Scholars Year, which is fantastic. Highly recommend. Um, but what about me? I grew up on the East Coast and 
came out to be a ski bum in Colorado in 2008 when I graduated from high school and never wanted to leave. But I did go back to the East Coast for college and then came right back. Actually, before I even graduated, I got a job out here. Um, And I've just somehow went from ski bumming to med school. I took a wrong turn. I don't live in the mountains anymore, but I am very happy to be in med school at this point. So um, yeah, that's a little bit about me. I've never heard of that program. What was it called again? Oh, Scholars, Scholars yeah. Year. Scholars, Scholars Year. Yeah. yeah. It's um, it's for folks after third year, before fourth year. Um, you can do sort of any meaningful scholarly project or work that you want over the course of the year. Um, and what's nice about it is I'm also still um, enrolled in the School of Medicine. So I still get to precept. And so what kind of scholarly project are you working on? So I am... Um, I'm really interested in doing research throughout my career, Um, and I'm particularly interested in mixed methods research, which is like taking qualitative and quantitative methods to inform each other. Um, So I am working with a mentor who's really talented in mixed methods to um, investigate sort of a novel primary care delivery structure for folks with spinal cord injury. Nice. And uh, I'm going to go back and I'm going to ask you the same questions that we talked about with uh, Dr. Piggott. And hopefully you'll have a unique perspective as someone that's still, quote unquote, in the school system. Um, and we'll, we'll just go in the same order. Uh, tell me about some of the more meaningful patient experiences that you've had uh, as a student, I guess, especially as a third and third and a half year. Yeah, Um Gosh, I, I mean, I love working with patients. Um, so for me, like, I, I don't actually have to see patients this year, but I think that I would go uh, have a lot of trouble, like, getting through through this year if I weren't seeing patients um, now that I have, a, like, a taste of it. Um, so I think the most meaningful patients for me are patients where I feel like I've made a connection that's beyond just the, um, the medical care. So I've had a few patients, gosh, two two come to mind, actually. So on my very first rotation of third year, I was on internal medicine and had I had just gone on this wonderful trip after taking step um, with my husband and his family, and they are from Egypt. And so I had just been to Egypt to meet all of his family, which was an incredible experience. And when I got back, one of the very first patients that I helped admit was a woman from Sudan. Um, And she was there actually almost for my entire rotation. Um, And because I had just been in Egypt and had like tried to learn a little bit of Arabic, I could speak this tiny, tiny amount of Arabic with her. Um, And I think we had a little bit of a sort of a cultural understanding was also during Ramadan. And it was so kind. Her family actually one day made an iftar meal for my for my partner um, and asked me to bring it home for him so that he could break his fast, um, which was like so incredible. Um, and I've actually sort of kept tabs on this patient. And uh, unfortunately, she's been in the in, inpatient a few more times. Um, and whenever I see that she's admitted and I if I happen to be at the hospital, I'll stop by and, and say hello to her. But that I think that experience like really, really touched me and sort of showed the importance of, of spending that extra time, which we have as medical students, which is really amazing to really connect with patients. And um, I think some of these patients too, the patients that insist on calling me doctor, <laughs> I find are the patients that I have these like really close connections with. Um, 
And, you know, when she was getting discharged, she kept asking, like, how she could see me for her primary care. And I was like, well, I'm not a doctor, so you can't. Um, and that, I mean, also, of course, was, like, great for my ego, but yeah, um, of course, was really, really, really meaningful um, knowing that I had helped her to feel cared for. Oh, that's nice. You'll, you're like, I'll call you in five years, but until then, uh, I'll just see you every now and again. Exactly. Thank you so much for that. That was actually really, that was really, really nice. I guess uh, my next set of questions is what have been some of your favorite moments or the best parts of medical school in and out of the clinic? So like within, you know, the classrooms and with your classmates and library, but also what you do in your free time. Mm. Um, I have been blown away by my classmates. I think I, I didn't, I don't know what I expected to, of my medical school classmates. I think I expected uh, what I had experienced in undergrad with pre-med students, which was like very intense, very like focused on getting into medical school, you know, not interested in things outside of medical school. Uh, and I have just found that my classmates are not that of that uh, stereotype at all. And so I've really enjoyed getting to know people. I was like so corny, but actually when I was studying for step one, I spent almost the entire time with two of my classmates. Um, and it was just this like wonderful experience. This like feeling of, of course, we're in this together. There was a lot of mutual support. Um, there was a lot of taking care of each other, but also, you know, encouraging each other to take care of ourselves. We would take yoga breaks. Sounds like so silly, but like, <laughs> and, like handstand breaks and just make sure that, you know, we're all not just doing well, like in academically, but also, just taking care of our wellness. Uh, so that's been really wonderful. I've like love living in Denver and love Colorado as a state. I just think it's a wonderful place. So getting to be close to nature. I've had some amazing ski days even in med school. So that's lovely. Yeah, with the classmates, I, I think it's uh, something that I love to stress to any prospective students that interview at social nights or what have you. They're like, you know, what's the best part about Colorado? It's like, listen, the people that you go to school with make it so that it's not, uh, uh, for lack of better words, it's not a living hell in medical school uh, because they really, they build you up and they, they don't tear you down. That's, that's what I love about my classmates too. With the skiing, I actually just learned how to ski on what, January? Like it was just this past January. Nice. Not very good. Uh, I'm sure, you know, how, how long have you been skiing? Oh gosh. Uh, <laughs> I've been skiing a long time and I didn't, I mean, when I came out when I was 18, so for, for some reason, when I applied to become a ski instructor, they never asked me if I knew how to ski in my interview. Uh -huh. um, it was just kind of assumed. Um, luckily, I like, could get around on skis, but I wasn't very good at that point. <laughs> um, but I think, you know, being someone who loves learning and always wants, is always looking for opportunities to grow, I did like every possible training that I could, um, took all advantage of all the free classes and so I ended up becoming good enough that I could I joined ski patrol after I was in college so Ooh. um so skiing has become a bigger part of my life than than I would like for it to be given that it doesn't exist everywhere and is not very accessible yeah did you get any spring skiing in right before the lifts closed this year I don't think so I was on OBGYN right before COVID hit um it was a pretty busy rotation <laughs> awesome um let's Move on to oh this was a this was a good question of 
some fun or funny patient interactions that you've had in the years that you've been, been doing anything, anything funny happen? You know, I was actually thinking about this question earlier mm-hmm. and I was trying to think of moments when I like laughed with patients. I think that there have been moments in medicine where I've found that the folks on the caring side are laughing and the patients not necessarily. Um, mm-hmm. Those aren't, those aren't my favorite moments. Um, and I think, you know, we talk about gallows humor or, you know, kind of having to like see humor in the, the dark side of things sometimes to, to get through it. Um, and I wonder if sometimes that, that does end up coming at the expense of the patient. So I'm trying to, I'm like really trying to think of something that was, I thought was funny. No, that's a good point. Something where you're just laughing together. Yeah. Together. Yeah. I'll have to come back to that one. That's fine. Which makes it me feel like I've laughed a lot with patients. And so I feel like there should be a quick anecdote. It's not coming to mind. Maybe it's just laughing at all the little things. Nothing stands out. Um, Let's, ooh, this one was a good, a good question. Um, What is a diagnosis or a catch that you made that you're very proud of? Uh, I mentioned that we, we talk about, you know, looking for the horses and not the zebras, but, uh, you know, sometimes whether it be horse or zebra, what's something that you caught uh, yourself and you thought, wow, I can't believe I got that. Yeah. I don't know if I'd say that I caught this diagnosis because I think it was already on the differential when I started taking care, care of this patient, but it had sort of been dismissed as the, mm. as the primary, the differential. Um, I had a patient who was I think about 14 with severe, severe abdominal pain. The way she presented though, is she didn't seem like she was in a lot of pain, right? So, you know, she was, sometimes she was smiling, sometimes she was laughing. um, And she just kind of had like a more flat affect. So so I'm saying she's smiling, laughing, but also had this flat affect. She sort of guarded emotionally. Um, Also came from a family that didn't speak English all that well um, and was also lower socioeconomic class as well. Um, and the diagnosis of ovarian torsion came up, but wasn't pursued. Um, and there was even some like radiographical uh, evidence of it. And she kept fevering and she kept complaining of pain, but again, she like didn't really look like she was in pain, right? Like, you know, I think often we're taught like, oh, like the pain is going to be out of proportion to the exam. That's what you should expect to see. And it it wasn't that. Um, But I really kept, I I was like really feeling like perhaps this diagnosis was being dismissed for reasons that weren't um, like, because her pain exam wasn't what we expected Um, because she wasn't sexually active, um, which is a risk factor. Um, And really, really ended up pushing and, and ended up having the attending advocate for the patient. And she did end up getting surgery and she did have a variant torsion. Wow. So I think I felt really glad that I didn't give up on like my gut with that, with that, even though I was sort of encouraged to. <laughs> and I think, gosh, I think about pain a lot as something that is so subjective and looks so different in different people and just reminding myself constantly like, oh, just because this doesn't, this pain doesn't seem out of proportion to me, doesn't mean that it, this person is not in extreme pain. That's a good point. And I think that's the benefit to being a medical student is you can spend a little bit more time deliberating on things that you could pursue it more just like you did. Absolutely. 
yeah, and I had a lot of time to talk to this patient. And she was very, very quiet and didn't really share much with providers. And especially with ovarian torsion, um, the reason we are uh, ruling out her being, she was, it was chalked up to be pelvic inflammatory, PID, pelvic inflammatory disease. However, she was not sexually active. And so there was concern about perhaps um, that she had had non-consensual sex or there was some other way that she could have gotten an infection. And so there were hard conversations that had to be had. Um, and it turns out that like, the incidence of PID without sexual contact is pretty low. Um, and so that was another reason why like ovarian torsion was higher on our differential. Um, it took some, some like really uh, long heads exam. Wow. Well, wonderful. That, that is one to be proud of. Thanks. Uh, I, I pose the same question to Dr. Pickett, uh, now that you have your classmates and other, you know, years ab uh, below you, uh, listening in, is there anything that you'd love to say to us, uh, just from the position that you have here on the podcast or as a th third and a half year? Ooh, Ooh. Uh, <laughs> uh, I get a soapbox. What do I want to shout from it? Um, I think for me, gosh, I, you know, third year was, I had so much fun. I loved it. It was fantastic for me. First and second year were not that way. Um, so I am always just, I always want to be that person that says like, even if you don't think you need help, maybe you do. And, and maybe you should ask someone for it. Because I think it took a lot of uh, like help from mentorship for me to ask for help when I needed it first and second year. Um, and I mean, like, just professional mental health care, like psychiatry, therapy, all of those things. Um, and, and and that's also, I think sometimes we talk around it, we're like, oh, get get help. Yeah. But like, like, if you have mental illness, it should be treated. You don't have to tough it out. And I think we talk a lot about like, oh, just like tough it out. Like, that's our culture. But we would never treat our patients that way. That's true. And yeah, I agree. It was nice. Uh, we even stressed that a lot at orientation, like for any incoming MS1s, like, hey, uh, make a therapy appointment. I remember back, you know, in Estes Park for me, uh, someone in your class, uh, actually, no, class below you, that... Uh, oh, I would say it was me, it, but it was... It wasn't you. You were the it, it was rock, yeah. It was <laughs> wasn't uh, me? <laughs> I was like, hey, uh, nothing's wrong with going to therapy. And like the next day, I was like, hello, can I make a therapy appointment, please? Not having, not knowing anything about it. Uh, it was just very useful. And I, I, I pursue, I push it on, awesome. push it on to everyone. I even call my dad. I'm like, hey, dad, you could probably use some therapy. He's like, why do you say that? And I'm like, have you seen... I'm kidding. Um, <laughs> but no, it's just good for everyone. So yeah, I totally agree. That was awesome. Thank you. Did you think of a fun story where you laughed with a patient? <laughs> if you didn't, that's okay. <laughs> I still have it. I, well, okay. I guess I think this is me laughing with the patient. But recently, uh, I had a patient who had some questions about um, his, uh, you know, his parts that are in his underwear, mm. and he wanted to use the medical term. Okay for this part, like organ of his body. And he didn't know what the medical term was. Um, and so I was like, penis. <laughs> and he was like, Oh, that, that's what you call it. I was like, yes, that, that is what we call it. Um, he was like, yeah, yeah. Okay. So my penis. Um, and I, I thought it was funny. He also thought it was funny. Um, just like, he was like trying to like use the right words and, you know, didn't want to use a euphemism or something. Um, 
So I don't know. I think I really enjoy having like taboo or uncomfortable conversations with patients um, because I don't find it uncomfortable. And um, I, I enjoy it when patients also find humor in it. That's fun. I mean, yeah, that's, I had a similar uh, scenario where I was, I was shadowing um, in like urogynecology. And of course, you know, my, my the attending was like, Hey, is it okay if Alex stays in the room for, you know, the, the encounter? And if they said, no, I leave no big deal. Uh, but one kind of just looked at me and paused for a second and said, eh, seen one, seen them all. And went on with the visit and uh, i just thought that was like a, f a funny way to approach like you know med medical students in kind of uncomfortable in, in situations um but yeah uh if that's all we've got for now i just want to say thank you both so much for joining us today in the vein uh just another shout out to dr cleveland piggott and kiyomi daoud uh, for helping make this podcast possible you can find our podcast online, and if you have ideas for an episode or have a suggestion for how to make our show better, please reach out to anyone on the team. Uh, thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time.